What's up, Fathom fam? We're so glad you're here. Just want to give a quick reminder about our Church Center app where you can stay up to date on all of our messages, events, and groups. You can also find us on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And while you're there, make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group where we post daily encouragement and reminders about upcoming events so you won't miss a thing. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Uh, what is up, Fathom Church? I think my mic's a little bit hot this morning. It's so good to see you, you all today, whether you're joining us online or you're in the room. Can we shout out some just love to our online fam? We love you. We're thankful. We're thankful for all the digital just resources. We just want to resource you in growing in your relationship with God. And, and all, all the digital options, they're, they're, they're just that. They're a resource. They're not a replacement for what it means for the body to gather and to be together. And in fact, today, what I'm going to teach on, I think, is going to highlight that in, in really uh, stark contrast. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a necessarily a good gift giver. Um, my wife would probably beg to differ. She, she'd probably gonna say I'm a great gift giver. Um, but my mom would definitely tell you I'm not a good gift giver. Uh, one time, I remember when I was a kid, uh, my dad let us loose in Walmart with 20 bucks for Christmas. And he's like, you guys go for it. Like, here's 20 bucks. Get your mom something real nice. And uh, and uh, we really wanted a blender because um, it was moving into, so we were thinking about summer and, and we just wanted to be able to make like fruit, like um, like virgin daiquiris and stuff like that when we were kids. We just, we thought that was so cool. And um, so we decided to buy my mom a blender so that we could enjoy that when summer came around. So when Christmas uh, time came and she opened her blender that was for us, she was not exactly like thrilled and we actually later got had like a, a real heart to heart on um, how to buy good gifts. And you think of the other person, not what you want. Um, uh, here recently, someone was telling me that um, there's this website out there that for unclaimed gifts, uh, maybe even it's like uh, you had a family member uh, who had put wrote you into their will, but you didn't know about it. There's actually a website you can go and see if there's money just like hanging out there that the government is waiting for you to claim. Have you heard of this? So, um, so, so they had told me about this, and they actually looked up Fathom Church, and there was some money hanging out there for Fathom Church to claim. And so I was like, sweet, let's do that. And so the other day, I went through, and I finally claimed that $50. And so praise God, your communion was on somebody. I don't even know where it came from <laughs> today. Um, we, I mean, can you just imagine that? I mean, just in your own life, just like an unclaimed gift that's just waiting there. Um, for you, I, th- I think the reality is that for so many of us, uh, we, we probably don't see ourselves as good gift givers, but I want you to know that God is a good gift giver. Like, he's a good father. He's a good father. We just sang about his goodness. He's given us the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Like, it, it's evidence of his goodness that he would sacrifice his own son so that we could be made whole spiritually. Um, and so he's given us that gift, but Jesus, as we've been talking about over this, this, this overflow series we've been in, uh, Jesus promised that he would give us uh, another gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we've been processing who the Holy Spirit is in our life, and the Holy Spirit is a helper sent to, to guide us into all truth. We don't have to sort out the truth for ourselves. The Holy Spirit is guiding us into the truth through the Word of God. 
He's, he's also the Holy Spirit's a, a comforter that comes and doesn't just kind of stroke our head and just say everything's going to be better, but strengthen us in our inner being that's making us stronger so that everything we walk through, we're growing stronger in our faith. We don't just stay at the same place in our faith. So many Christians are just, they're at the same place they were five years ago because they're rejecting the Holy Spirit's work in their life to strengthen them through every battle, through every season. And today I want to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit that's given to us to give us power for witness. I'm still echoing here, man, if you can um, continue to work on that. Uh, let's, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8 today. Uh, and it's literally Jesus' last words on earth. When people talk about what are Jesus' last words, well, we can talk about that before he was crucified, or we can talk about that after he rose again and before he ascended back to the Father. And so we can look to Acts chapter 1, 8, and it says this, but you will receive power. This is the Holy Spirit that, that Jesus had promised. He said, you're going to receive the whole, uh, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So if we're trying to understand what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, we've been looking at other texts that says it's a helper. The Holy Spirit's a helper for us, a comforter to strengthen us. But here also to give us power for what reason in this text? Just shout it out. So that we'll be witnesses. We're at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, just moving outward from our city, from our neighborhood, from our town on outward into just the ends of the earth. And the next verse, verse 9, says that, and then Jesus ascended back to the Father. He was gone. He just disappeared. Just gone from the earth after this saying that the Holy Spirit. And so they had to go and wait in Acts chapter 2. Um, presents that. And so there's so much about the Holy Spirit we're not going to be able to get to in this series because it's just a three-week series. But I hope you're tracking with these three most important things of the Holy Spirit's work in our life to, to, to guide us in the truth, to comfort us and strengthen us in our spirit, but also to give us power to be a witness. Okay, so I want to talk about today just power for living and living in the overflow of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, we've been talking about this, that the Holy Spirit is really the love of, of God between Father and Son just poured out into the, the earth and to uh, his, uh, his children. And so I, I want you to know these principles today for, for walking in the overflow and operating out of that overflow. Um, and so here, here's a, a few principles for us today. First is uh, that God doesn't want you to be ignorant. Everybody said Amen. Come on, that, that's, that's good preaching right there. God doesn't want you to be ignorant about the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, the first is that each of us, the first principle I want you to, each of us has a gift and are a part of God's kingdom. Ever since um, Disney Plus came out, um, I kind of became a real big Marvel fan. I, I, I liked it. I, I watched it. Yeah, somebody's worshiping for the first time today. Just praise God. Just like, me too. Um, and that's why I really got into it and just kind of learning all these backstories because I remember I watched one of the ones where it's like everybody's there. And I'm like, cool, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. But then we we're just kind of learning about their powers, right? And they each have some kind of special power. Some are cooler than others. Let's just be honest. But they each have a place at the end. I remember, I think it's at the end of Endgame. And, and, and spoiler alert, all the superheroes come together, right? And they all come back to defeat the evil bosses or whatever it is, Thanos or whoever it is. Um, somebody's like correcting me uh, on something. It's probably my son, yeah. Um, and so, 
they all come together, and, and I, I, there's one character, Wong, or, or Dr. Strange is like, hey, is that everybody? Because literally there's just like a hundred of them out there, this whole army. Is that everybody? He's like, I sure hope so. Like that's, he says something to that effect, like that's enough. But hey, I want you to know, a lot of times when we think about the church, we think about the pastor. We do. We think about the church we attend and the style of music they do and, and how that church grows, built, and how healthy that church is based on how good things are in a, in a worship service. But to understand really the body of Christ and how it's to be built up, we have to understand spiritual gifts and the gifts of the Spirit because each one of you has been given a gift. And, and Paul teaches us that he doesn't want us to be ignorant when it comes to spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he says now about spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant. And again, we all said amen, right? And so what, what are spiritual gifts? And, and why is this important for having that, that power of his gifting in us for witness? Well, well spiritual gifts are, 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 are where God empowers the believer. You and me, and I know not everybody watching online or in the room confesses Jesus as Lord and is in a relationship with him. And, and we're glad you're here no matter where you're at. But if you're a believer, God, God's, and for those of you that are, have yet to believe, have yet to put your faith and trust in Him, there's gifts waiting for you. Unclaimed gifts. For those of you that have uh, received Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life and are following Him, I want you to know that He's given you a gift and it's waiting there for you. It's unclaimed in so many of our lives. But it's where God empowers a believer to share in His work, to participate in carrying out His great redemptive plan both in the body of Christ and in the world. So both of, of, of them are a part of God's redemptive plan, the church. God chose the church. So many of us, one of the major things that's in the way of, of um, I'm getting ahead of where I, I really want to go right here, so I'm just going to set that aside. So, so, But the literal translation for what the spiritual gift is, is this Greek word, it's kind of a mashup word, conjunction, if you will, of, uh, it's called charismata. This is what we see. It's charismata. And it's two words, which means grace, gift. God's given each one of us. Uh, Verse uh, 10 of of 1 Corinthians says, as each has received a gift, right? This idea of of charismata is a great, it's another way in which, just like with salvation in which we did not deserve it, like it's by nothing we've done and we didn't work for it. The same thing is true of the gifts of the Spirit. We don't deserve these gifts. We don't deserve, and sometimes we look at those as natural abilities, but I want you to understand that God has placed them in your, in your life for two reasons. One is so that you can build up and build up the body of Christ and for the common good that we're going to look at here in just a second, um, but also so that uh, we can uh, reach the world um, and, and show them the light uh, of King Jesus and who he is and point them and be witnesses for him. And so each of us has received a gift, and we're supposed to use it. This is out of First uh, Peter chapter 4. It says, each of us has received a gift, and it's to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. I'm going to talk about stewardship a little bit more when it comes to finances later on, but the gift that you've been given, and I'm going to break down all kinds of what these gifts could be, but it's a, you're to steward that gift, and you're to steward it wisely. Whoever speaks, verse 11 says, uh, speak as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus. So it's to, to bring glory to God, to build up the church, to serve one. That's why we've been given that gift of leadership. 
That, that's why we've been given the gift of administration, of, of mercy, of faith, whatever the gift might be in your life that God has given you. And maybe you don't know. Maybe it's unclaimed in your life and you don't know. And so I, there's lots of places in the scripture that talk about this in the New Testament. Romans 12 is one of them. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 12 is another one. Um, we just looked at 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 is another one of those. But look at this, this, this list here. It's, it's not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but here's a, a list of, of some of the spiritual gifts listed in the Bible. It probably goes longer than this. Um, and in fact, I mean, some people get caught up, well, that's not a gift that's in the Bible. You know, that's not a spiritual gift. I believe if it's used for the common good of the body of Christ, if God chooses to use a gift that's inside of you, he redeems it for his glory. I don't care where it came from. I don't care if your company trained you and then now you've been doing that for so long and now it's just kind of part of who you are that you can do IT or you can do finances. God has redeemed it for his glory when you're in Christ, whatever that might be. And it breaks my heart to just think of so many people who are hustling to make a living, uh, living, Oh, I said living. I was straight up southern. Um, a plant city comes out every once in a while. We are a farming, redneck community. Um, but but it, it breaks my heart to just think about using all these gifts to make a buck and like praise God, make more money, save more money, give more money. Like praise the Lord, do it, hustle, do your thing. But it breaks my heart to think that those gifts will never be used in the body of Christ and we just set those aside for our own good. And we miss out that God has given us great purpose in the body of Christ and, and, and the body of Christ is raised up by your gift. So I, I want to teach on this and really help us process this. So these are some, some of the spiritual gifts and, and you may say, well, how do I know? How do I know what the gift is in my life? Well, let me just say this. It's going to be a process. And how you think about your gifts now and how you think about them 20 years from now will be drastically different. You'll understand depths and purpose. And some of them will be for your entire life and some of them will be for a short season in which God will draw out and they're the gifts of the Spirit. So as he chooses to operate in them in a certain season and then all of a sudden it's not really needed for the body of Christ as much anymore. And so he'll, he'll, he'll have something else that he's drawn out. But each one of us has a gift. And maybe you'll look at that list and we're like, I don't have faith. I don't have anything like that. He's given it to you. He's given it. It's already there. It's just unclaimed and undiscovered. So how do we learn that? One is time. It's just going to take time. It's going to take conversation. In fact, I think more than you trying to figure it out, most of the time, it's actually other people can help you figure it out. So you could sit here for the next three years trying to figure it out, and you may not figure it out other than actually practicing and doing ministry like putting yourself in ministry environments to serve other people. If you don't put yourself in that environment, I doubt you're going to grow in your spiritual gifts because it's been given for the body of Christ to be built up. So if you never find yourself serving the body of Christ, then you say, well, like, it, you're going you're to have trouble discovering and really growing in that. And so uh, there, there's all, all these different ones, and they're built together. Um, and, and so I, I I want you to, to, to know that. So conversation, people can actually help you understand for years. And, and Taryn, hopefully I, I don't, um, I hope you don't mind uh, me uh, sharing this. Um, she's like, I've used, I'm used to it. Uh, you know, um, for the longest time, she said, I don't really have a gift. She said, I don't really have a gift. And if you throw that list back up, um, it's a gift of, of service or gifts of helps. Many times people that have a gift of helps, like say, I, I don't have a gift. 
And what that actually is, it's actually a gift that God's given that helping people is easy and you actually feel fulfilled, fulfilled by helping other people. So you say, I don't have any fancy gift. And so somebody goes through DNA sessions and we ask these questions and they say, just whatever you need. I'm like, you probably have a health gift. <laughs> and it may be one or a couple of gifts. It means, hey, just use me in the body of Christ. And, and then you can flexible and you can come in and you can help a lot of people. It's the switch hitter of the church. I can, I can help in different ways. They play multiple positions. They can just jump in because they're there to support other people and their giftings. You say, hey, I don't think encouragement is much of a gift. Are you kidding me? The church needs people who have the gift of encouragement, the gift of exhortation more than ever. Like you may say, hey, that's not a gift. It doesn't matter if I'm in person. It doesn't matter if I'm in a serve team. It doesn't matter if I'm actually using this. No, it does matter because someone like God has designed for you to come in and use that gift. And so when you think about coming to church, you, you bring that gift. And if you don't come and you don't gather and you don't serve together, then you don't have an opportunity to use that gift. And someone is worse off. The body of Christ is worse off because that goes unclaimed. Because you're not operating in that gift. Because you're not growing in that gift. I'm not talking about being uh, the, the Billy Graham version of your evangelism. I'm talking about using it and taking a step now in your gift. Something that you can do right now. And so, so some of your prayer lives are going to be stirred up in, in this. Some of us, uh, we've, we have gifts we know about, but they're lying dormant. And I want to talk about that too. But uh, as we begin to work our way through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is a massive pa passage for Paul, in which he teaches on spiritual gifts, he really kind of begins to use this illustration that, the, that, the, that Christians together, the, the local church, the global church, we're like a body. We're like a body that some of us are the eye and some of us are the hand, some of us are the feet, some of us are the spleen. Um, is that the one? What's the one that you could, uh, we don't really know what it does. What's that one? We don't really know what it does. It's just like it has some purpose. We just don't really know what it is. And then like people remove it like, I guess you don't need it at all. Um, appendix. Yeah, appendix. We don't even know. Some of us feel like the appendix. And I'm telling you, you're not an appendix. You're not an appendix. Like God's giving you something that's valuable to the body of Christ. The second thing, second principle you, you got to understand is that we need to learn to give and receive out of a heart of love. To use our gift, to give it to others out of a heart of love, but also to receive the gifts of others in a heart of love. The hand is not in competition with the other hand. The, the, the heart is not prominent. We don't see it, but we know its significance. It's, it's not about pats on the back and acclaim and stages and, and whatever in the body of Christ. Prominence doesn't equal significance. It, it's about using it in a heart of love for the common good. Paul goes on to say, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, there's a variety of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There's a variety of service, but it's the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities, but it's the, it's the same God who empowers them all. It's His power in us. Empower. We're, we're walking and we're living this out not in our own strength. I, my gift of leadership that God's given me, and let me just let me take a little aside here, and I, and I could just go all day with this. But um, many times our gifts that God has given us, that which God has given you as a gift, the enemy loves to make it a curse in your life. For those of you that have the gift of mercy, and you can just put up with people's junk a lot more than other people. <laughs> when everybody else is like, I'm tired 
of your mess and your whatever. There's people with the gift of mercy that just come in, and they're like, what's your problem? Like, this is easy. That, that's how people on the outside can really help us understand our gifting. Like the gift of, of leadership in, in my life at times, it feels like a curse because like even when it's time to figure out like, you know, what are we doing for dinner? Like, I got to make that decision too. Not just in my house, but anybody we're with. We're like, what you want to do, pastor? Like, I don't care. I don't want to make the decision. That's what I don't, I don't want to do. So it, it feels like a, a curse at times, but, but it, we must carry it in the load of God's power. We're empowered for it. And see, each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? For the common good of the body of Christ. It, it's not just given for you. Your gift of encouragement builds up. And the reality is that we don't always know the impact we're having in using our gifts. But you have to know it's having an impact. You have to have faith in that. <clears throat> Down at the very end of the, of the passage in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, eagerly desire the higher gifts or the ones that help the most. <laughs> like, we pray, God, help me like, operate in the gifts that actually help this church right now the most. Help me operate in what builds up the body the most. And then Paul goes on all through 1 Corinthians 13 and he talks about what? Anybody? We did a series on it. We talked about love. We love. That the highest way, like we are to do these things in love. And if we don't have love, none of this matters. It doesn't matter how effective and faithful you are in your gift if you don't operate it in. And here's what we've got to understand. That Christianity, hear me, online, are you listening? Christianity is not an individual sport, period. There's an old country song a long time ago, far before my time, but said, me and Jesus just got our own thing going on. So many Christians are living that country song right now, and it's not working out particularly well when it comes to their spiritual growth. You're, you're no, no more saved by belonging in the local church and using your gifts, you're no more saved. It's a grace gift anyway, but, but we're halted in growing in maturity and belonging, and you're worse off. You're worse off. Because how well is it? You see, see Christ is the head, and, and we all make up the body. So the body's not in competition. And what we begin to realize is, I actually need your gift. I, I have such a deep awareness and understanding that I literally cannot operate for one day in my gifting to lead this church without the gifts of so many other people operating at a high level. I, I, I'm one part of this, far more prominent than, than everybody else's in this local body. But I can't operate for one day. I have a deep desire and need, and not even from a ministry standpoint, but from my own spiritual well-being. Like, I literally cannot go a day without your encouragement, without your praying for me, without, like, and the same is true. I, we begin to change the way we view people who we attend church with. I'm not going to church with this person. No, no, that's actually a part of my body. And so when they suffer, I actually feel that. I'm not in competition with them at all. I want them to thrive in their gifts and their health and their well-being, their spiritual life as much as I want my own because I know that I need you. Are you following me today? Christianity is a team sport that we need each other to do this life. And so we've got to begin to understand this principle of mutual edification. It means, Rhonda, as you bring your encouragement and it builds me up, 
And I just walk away just smiling and just so full of joy because of this like, gift of encouragement. And, the, and then after service, and, and you're like, thank you so much for that word, Pastor. That's exactly what I, I needed, that encouragement. And, and this isn't about like my need for encouragement, okay? Right? I'm doing okay. But I want you to see the principle of mutual edification. That, that, that we benefit one another. We build one another up in the body of Christ. And when you're not operating in love to give and receive that, you are not, you're, not, you're not expressing the full extent of God's power in your life and participating with what God is doing in the body and in the world. And that's what it is. Spiritual gifts are an invitation to participate with God in building up his church and in sharing the gospel that we become through that love John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer. I quote this thing all the time. Y'all should know it by now. That through your love, that through your love, that they'll see that we're his disciples. That's a picture of his love. A couple other things here, just as we begin to close out, and I'll give you some application for this at the end. The third principle we have to understand when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit and the Spirit working in our life is to not quench the Spirit. Some of you have probably never heard this phrase before. It's brand new, and you're like, I got no idea. I know about quenching my thirst with Sprite, but that's about it. Um, I think sometimes in my marriage, I can, I can quench the spirit of love um, as I walk up to my wife, and she's like, give me a kiss. And then I just like, all of a sudden, I don't know why, but there's just a burp that just comes up. And as I'm preparing, there's just a nasty burp smell in my mouth. And I'm like, all right, you ready for that kiss? Now she's like, nope. Quench the spirit of love. <laughs> Moving right along. We'll just try it again later. I don't know why it just always happens like that. But, uh, but some of us, we don't really know what this means. And Paul's talking about this to the church at Thessaloniki in Greece. Thessalonica is a city in Greece. And um, he's telling them, kind of at the end of his letter here in, in 519, he says a lot of things. And... and um, I'm going back and forth whether I want to read it. Let's go ahead and read it. Um, let's go ahead and read it. We, Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Then he says this, do not quench the Spirit. So it's in this big, long thing. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what's good. Abstain from every form of evil. In verse 23 and 24. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I just want to zero in on verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. What does that mean? Well, one, I believe he's talking about the public gathering first. And if you don't understand this, you probably, whether you understand this or not, you've probably done it in some way, shape, or form. In a, in a time when, um, you know, God's moving in the house and worship and praise is rising up and, and that worship leader just says, come on, let's do it one more time. And we're like, will you not please do it one more time? Don't act like you've never done that. Because I've done that a thousand times in my own life. Or, or when folks are, are being prayed for and your stomach's ground a little bit at the end of service, and you're like, can we just wrap it up already? 
Don't act like you've never done that because I know I've done it. He who is without sin cast the first stone. Um, we, we find ourselves quenching the Spirit in the public gathering for what God is doing in the moment because of our own need or desire because the message wasn't, you know, directly at us today and we don't feel like we're, we're like really in that moment right now. Don't quench the Spirit in the public gathering. But, but I think because it is much about the public gathering, we miss out how often we quench the Spirit in our own life. And I don't want you to miss this. Um, Shannon, you had pushed us to watch this Chosen show. Some of you have watched this show, Chosen. It's really good. Um, and there's a, there's a part in it, I hate to be a spoiler, but there's a guy named Nicodemus who's a Pharisee, and, and we know, know about him through Scripture and through history. And um, at the end of, of season one, uh, he's growing in his knowledge of who Jesus is, and he, he believes he's the Messiah. He really does. But there's this scene that just moved me so deeply as I was preparing for this message, because God has called Nicodemus to follow him. And, and Nicodemus stands about 10 feet from following Jesus. The disciples and he are getting ready to leave Capernaum in this particular scene. And Nicodemus is hiding behind a wall, and he's, he's weeping. He's weeping because he believes in God. He really does. Like the Spirit has stirred him, but in this moment, he's afraid to turn around because he knows what it's going to cost him. And he's afraid to take this step. And, and so many of us, we're in the same place. Like we're afraid to turn the corner and follow Jesus because of what we feel like it's going to cost us. You're quenching the Spirit when you do that. Because the Spirit has done what? He's leading us into the truth. To, to strengthen us. And how often do we quench the Spirit when we're this close from taking our next step to be baptized, to go to DNA sessions, to, to go to a small group, to get on a serve team, to take your next step, to ask somebody, hey, I think I need to like follow Jesus and I have no idea how to do this. And we quench the Spirit. Like Even in moments, I can just sense it so deeply in my spirit at times when God is moving and, and some are just like, I, I just can't do it. We quench the spirit of what God's doing. And let me just tell you, every time you have quenched the spirit yesterday, you're worse off for it today. Every time you quench the spirit today, you're worse off for it tomorrow. I, I, I know it, it, the spirit leads us. He, he empowers us. He calls us and, and it rattles our cage. It shakes us up and it, and it causes us to fear. But don't fear. Like, know that God is doing it, and don't be afraid to take the next step. He's already got all that worked out, and he's coming alongside of us. He's not going to leave us. The final thing, and I, I, I want to I end on this today, is beyond not quenching the Spirit. We, some of us, we need to stir up the gift of God that's within us. We need to stir up the gift of God within us. Um, I was pick. I wasn't picking. I was using Taryn as an illustration. One more illustration about Taryn. Um, she's my she's my everything woman. Um, she's uh, like part Dr. Quinn medicine woman, part supermodel, part uh, pioneer woman, uh, Mother Teresa. She's just all those rolled in one. She's just an amazing, amazing woman. During the winter, we have this old fireplace, and she'll be she'll be making dinner, just an amazing lasagna. I just I love lasagna. It's on the menu this week. I'm pumped about that. Um, and then she'll get us a fire going because she I, she can make a fire a million times better than me. I got no shame in saying it. And she'll come and she'll be in the middle of kind of putting the lasagna in. She'll come and she'll work really hard to make us a, a beautiful fire in there in the winter so that we can enjoy it. And, um, and she says, hey, will you guys keep your eye on this? Keep it going. Keep it going. And of course, 
me and the boys, like, we'll go play football outside or we'll be watching the ESPN Sports Center or whatever it is, and, and uh, we lose attention on it. And she comes in, and she's so frustrated with us, rightfully so. She's like, you had one job. It was easy. Like, just stoke the thing. Just fanning, like, just keep it going, man. I've done all the hard work. <laughs> all you got to do is just keep it going. And this is what Paul sees in Timothy, his spiritual son. He realizes that Timothy's gotten complacent in his faith. He's gotten real complacent. Otherwise, Paul would not say what he said in, in, in uh, 1 Timothy. He says, for this reason I remind you, or 2 Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Why, why, would, he, why would he say that if, if I'm just waiting for God to show up and, you know, fan it into flame? Why, why would he say this if, if Timothy wasn't a little bit complacent with things? So I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. God has not given us a spirit of fear, power and love and self-control. Do you have any idea the unclaimed gifts in the spirit that are waiting for you? The truth is, you don't. Nor do I. <laughs> in any kind of full way. But what I do know is every single one of you, you have a gift unclaimed in your life. And, and some of us, we've been doing it, but we, we're just trying to do it on our own and we're not realizing we're a part of the big body. And then actually, I desperately need people. I, I need the body of Christ. I, I, and some of us, we've been this close a thousand times. And we see a lot of examples where God just comes and comes and comes, and then eventually he's like, okay, you apparently don't want me here. So we wonder where the fields went. We wonder where the spirit went. Well, we've quenched him a hundred times. What do you expect? He's giving you your way. Don't get to that place. We're going to close this, this service. They're going to lead us in a song called Make Room. And I just want you to stand all across this house and just begin to make room in your own heart for responding to God. For responding to, maybe it's right now, your application is not quenching the Spirit for one more moment of one more day. That's your application. For some of us, we need to repent for quenching the Spirit time and time again. Some of us, we've, we've gotten complacent and the gift of God is within us. We know what it is, but it needs to be fanned back into flame through the laying on of hands. And so we're going to have some leaders up here in the altar. I'm going to be down here and we'd love to pray with you. If you know like God's got a gift inside of you, you don't know what it is. Maybe you know exactly what it is. Maybe you, ha- you don't even know where to start. So I'm like, I don't even want to pray for me. Like we're going to be here for you today. I don't think Paul said it on accident that, hey, that gift of God is stirred up like through the laying on of hands. There's something that happens when two or three believers are together, like praying for one another. And so we want to we wanna pray with you today. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, let us not miss out on anything you're doing in this moment, God. Let us not push you out or push you away when you are calling and drawing us, God. So, so that gift that you've given us, that you've empowered us with, God, the power of your spirit would be used for the building up of your church, God, and to be witnesses in this city, to be a light, a city on the hill, 
in the midst of the darkness. God, so right now, today, God, I call us to respond to your grace, to call to your stirring, to respond to, 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 to what you're doing in this very moment, God. As we come to pray in this altar, as we kneel at the crosses, as we kneel at our own seat, as we worship, lift our hands, God, we, we surrender all to you and say, have your way in us, not just in this moment, God, but as we go forward, would you use us for the building up of the body and for your kingdom's glory? We love you in Jesus' name. Hey, uh, Brad and Taryn are going to be over here. Jackie and I are going to be over here. Please come. Please come. We'd love to pray with you today, no matter where you're at. Just discerning your gift. Uh, you've been rejecting it. It needs to be fanned into flame wherever you're at. We'd love to pray with you. Come as they lead us in worship. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday, and there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.